They, or they, like how they say, uh, if you study drunk, you should take the test drunk. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. People say don't drive drunk, but I actually just say don't drive sober because... <laughs> I, it's how I, I learned. It's how I learned. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's how I learned. <laughs> I've never been like, yeah, bro's doing bro things. Mm-hmm. Except for yeah. in bed, in which case, that's its own thing. But <laughs> There's a time and a place. There's a, there's a time and a place. And it's in the bedroom. Right. I, well, the thing and is... the place th- is inside me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sitting on a wine jet is a very specific... Sitting... <laughs> I'd get alcohol poisoning, like, for sure. For sure. For sure. Very quickly. Very Sitting quickly. on a wine jet is my Jimmy Buffett cover <laughs> Sitting on a wine jet. <laughs> Haven't uh, lost my mind yet. This writes itself. Hey, it writes Jesus itself. Christ, Haley. I just realized that parrot heads are basically like juggalos for dads who like boats. <laughs> Zach, should we start this show? Yeah, let's start the show. Okie doke. Hey there, everybody. Hi there. I'm Haley. And I'm Zach. And we're, we're not, not together. together. How are you doing today, Haley? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah. Today's been an okay day. It's been a crazy couple of weeks yeah. for, I think, We've, a lot uh, of people. Yeah. we. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's it's been two weeks since we've done an episode. We just felt like taking, we just need to take a break. This like was not the time for us to be focusing on our japes and jokes and things yeah um uh even though it's been two whole weeks i feel constantly tired i feel like i've slept for none of it that's a good point i i feel the same way i've had some like sleepless nights i've uh, i've upped my therapy <laughs> oh my my therapy uh amount which is good therapists are making bank uh, right now the only people who are sleeping like a baby <laughs> therapists not worrying about anything right now because <laughs> they just ingest all your problems and then purge them as soon as you're gone yeah which is healthy they should they absolutely should yeah the ambulance chasers of the mind <laughs> <laughs> they 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 heard a global pandemic coming on and they're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. oh trump did what now oh <laughs> i can't wait to hear about that seven times tomorrow <laughs> Ooh, gonna fluff up the pillows on my couch. Get ready yeah. for the intake. Speaking of like super weird news though, I just saw, so I was just reading today, this just came out like, did you hear about that that thing where a, a bunch of cops cried poison milkshake at Shake Shack yes. in, in uh, Brooklyn? Yes, I did there, hear It's like coming out that like maybe that didn't happen. Like, I don't know. Like at all? Because <laughs> like, I heard it was like a machine, the machine was dirty or something, but it didn't happen like at just all. The machine was surgery. I don't know. They were like, they were trying to say that like somebody was like, they knew that they were cops, but apparently they ordered the, the, uh, the them app. on like an app or something too. Yeah. So there was no way to know. And they were the only three people who seemed to complain. And it was just that it tasted funny. I don't know. But the fact that they turned it into a whole thing thing it's just like it definitely wasn't a a crime scene they turned like a crime scene yeah it definitely wasn't a criminal act for sure no the police department came out late like the police department came out later and said nothing criminal happened but 
I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of but just uh, like vic- so playing weird. victim on that playing side victim, right now. It's just the police are so so theatrical. Yeah, this is the worst off-Broadway show I've ever seen. <laughs> um, oh, is that what all this is? It's just, it's just a. It's an interactive, like a interactive play that we're all in. <laughs> it oh. sucks. I hate it. Oh, uh, yeah, it really is horrible. I can't I'm gonna, stand it. We gotta find them on Yelp and give them the shittiest review. So I guess um, speaking of the theater, <laughs> speaking of the it. theater, right? Nailed it. Um, I set them up. You just, you just spike them down. I just bunt them into midfield, not even over the park here. But okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. I did a volleyball <laughs> thing. You did a baseball thing. It's fine. We're both. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us are really sports boys. We don't know what we're doing. No. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, here to help us talk um, is our friend who is involved in the theater. They are a singer, songwriter, composer, writer, and actor. It's Heathcliff Saunders. There we are. Hi, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> uh, Heath, I feel like I need to like partially apologize just because um, I I feel like I have continued on the because your name is not Heathcliff, correct? That is it's true, Heath, right? It's it right. is a fun fact about me. My name is not. Heathcliff. But I but it's how I knew you because I met you online on Facebook. And that's your uh, exactly yeah, yeah. right. Darn! I just said Heathcliff. I no no so no no, no, no it's actually it's a it's a it's a worthwhile story. This is okay. this is so my name birth name is Heath. Uh, and when I was in college, we had this sort of experience where people would come to shows at, at the like at our, the Jerry Herman Ring Theater at University of Miami. <laughs> oh God! Um, oh, you're a cane. Oh yes. You're a hurricane. Mm. I didn't know this. Woo! So fun. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, Everybody on the show has some connection to Florida in one way or another. Honestly, we're do. always connected to Florida, and in, in <laughs> it's America's root chakra. Oh God! <laughs> I <laughs> not, hope not. not. Root chakra. Oh God! Please no. Oh Lord. Um. No, so when people would like come to see shows at the Ring Theater and then they would like immediately friend you on Facebook. And in the early days of Facebook, the easiest way to sort of avoid people finding you was by changing your name slightly. Mm-hmm. And people had been calling me Heathcliff because apparently Wuthering Heights is a thing. I, again, <laughs> did not know. <laughs> um, and so people had been calling me Heathcliff for a long time. And so I changed my name on Facebook. And then what has happened since then is that people, it slips in and out of Heathcliff being my professional name it's my name in equity is heath my like you know like in all cases i'm i'm heath but then a lot of times people refer to me as heathcliff which is i you're used to still care on my phone and, is heathcliff and you're not gonna change I, you know what I, it's who i am honestly yeah. at this point <laughs> <laughs> it's weird we can like talk about like being very intense about given names and then i'm very much like whatever you call me is fine <laughs> <laughs> i totally get that uh, I have no preferred is, name. How is your uh, How's your day going so far? Um, what did I do today? Today specifically, it is what day of the week is it? It's Monday. Monday, Monday. just started. Wild. Wild. Um, I didn't leave my apartment today, Natch, and I 
I actually recorded. I, I recorded and mixed a, a new single today. So Whoa. that'll that'll probably yeah, be released congrats. this week. Was that we, you, you released some uh, some art on your Twitter? Is that what that's for? Yes. Yeah. 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 Stuck in a loop, um, mm-hmm. which is actually the whole. I can't actually tell you this story. I'll, you have to ask me offline about Great. how this happened because it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Truly yesterday. So today was very boring. Yesterday was crazy. It was absolutely insane. But I can't actually tell you what was going on because Great. it just... That'll be for our After, after Hours podcast uh, <laughs> exactly. that we do. And on, if you're uh, not tuning into After Hours, then you're not going to You're going to listen to half the show, baby. Yeah, yeah. that's where the good stuff happens. <laughs> Um, so we are we're we're talking uh, theater day. We had a previous episode about theater, but we were mostly talking about um, queerness in theater. But today mm. we wanted to have you on the show because you recently wrote an article about blackness in theater. Mm. Uh, uh, it's called uh, "What I Think About When I Hear Broadway Is Racist." Yes, yeah. So we had a the theater world had a, a an, I mean the whole country had our little upset, and I say little. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not great with words when I'm speaking Again, up we're up. learning it's an experimental, <laughs> interactive play that we're all a part of. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so, so the world is in this, this state of upheaval, and, and I think all industries are going through their own version of, of a reckoning, mm-hmm. as it were. And, and the theater world has been going through, specifically the Broadway world, which is, which is only one very small part of the theater world. Um, the theater world is much, much larger than just Broadway go regional theaters, support your local theater yes. places as soon as they open again. Again. Okay. So everything's crazy right now because <laughs> yes. uh, we, we, you know, we have this, this, this sort of social upheaval that's happening in the, in the context of a global pandemic, which is like, what is anyone supposed to do? What is theater going to look like? What is, what is theater going to be? Are we going to be able to be in spaces or people going to want to be in spaces with each other? It's, it's so everything is already like up in the right. air. And then we had this, this, this new sort of, cultural shift to it being uh quite trendy to talk about racism which i said that i that sounds like i'm being disparaging but i actually i actually think it's quite valuable in the way that it sort of unfolded over the last several Mm -hmm. weeks it is an opportunity to crack open a lot of assumed sort of just like the way things are um so we've been going through this very (laughs) intense moment in america and i think that and around the world wonderfully and I think that this was an opportunity. At first, I was very much uh, hands off the conversation because I, uh, I am a black man, but I'm light skinned and I grew up in uh, Seattle, outside Seattle, Washington. And I, so I, 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 I'm very, very conscious of the many privileges that I have. So I'm, I'm really disinclined to be the, a voice in that conversation. I don't feel called to being a per- to, to sort of stepping into the conversation and being like, you know what, as a, because again, privilege has all of these different vectors and, and I, I have such privileges. It's been really interesting in my own journey that I've been sort of engaging with myself and my relationship to blackness and what that means and how talking about myself as a black man or a black person or a blackness has been this like really intense several weeks. Uh, but this is an opportunity, I think, for all all of these sort of industries, specifically Broadway in this context, to really unpack what the stories that we tell and and how those stories affect uh, the experience of actual people. Um, so a number of my my friends uh, and colleagues 
were have been all sharing their experiences of 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 micro and macro aggressions in the Broadway community, which are very real and very prob like horrifying. And when you hear them in this sort of massive wave of stories, it becomes very clear that there's a problem. And my own experience with with racism has been so sort of indirect because again, I have all of these sort of privileges based on the way that I'm interpreted, the way that my body is read. I very rarely play black on stage or or get called in for black roles because I don't read the way that people expect a black person to read in stories. So this put me in a really interesting position because as I sort of engage with my identity as a person, I also am engaging with the identity that people see when they see me. And then I sort of talk about that in terms of how people see other bodies in the world. So I, I started thinking and I, I wrote this like truly like 10,000 word rant about it. I was going to make a video of me talking about this thing. And then uh, I, I sort of focused it down to the, the, the crux of my, my issue, which is that I believe very strongly that bodies and people are not the same thing. Uh, people cannot be defined by their bodies, although their body, their bodied experience in the world does sort of have a huge impact on their identity. Um, when it comes to storytelling, especially on stage or in film or any time that you're using bodies to tell a story, the body, the, the bodied experience of the actor almost is, is sort of secondary to the experience of the audience seeing a body. And once I sort of started unpacking that concept, I started to sort of look at trends in musical theater specifically because that's where I'm most knowledgeable and sort of looking at the, the ways that musical theater pieces use black bodies on stage. And that's what the whole piece is about. And mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the longest intro. I truly should never be allowed to talk about anything. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I wrote a piece about this and, it will be more articulate than I am in person because I, you know, have an opportunity to edit <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm writing. <laughs> um, but it, it's really about that sort of the experience of the bodied identity versus the sort of identity that's given to you when people see you. And I think that that actually has a lot of like crazy implications about mm -hmm. bodies and like what what it means to have a body and what it means to use that body as a storytelling tool, like mm -hmm. going on stage and and. And like, you know, we're, it's like we were talking about before where it's like, I make a choice to wear a dress for me. This is a choice that is important to me. It, it makes me feel, sometimes I feel like wearing a dress, so I'm going to wear a dress. And I know that I operate in a sort of specific space of privilege and a specific intersection of privilege that allows me to do that particular performance in a way that feels safe and comfortable for me. And mm -hmm. it is important to me as a sort of activist, quote unquote, to do that performance for the sake of people who do not have the privilege to walk through the world with that space of comfort. Mm -hmm. And that for me is like the whole, you know, art of using the body as a story. Right. Did that make any sense? No, it absolutely did. Um, yeah, it absolutely does. I, I really liked, there's something that you, I think you really focus on in this, this essay. Um, and that's about, the difference between like an imaginary setting in a show and, mm. and like a more, real setting for instance you you were saying like an imaginary setting would be something like a like potentially a like a colorblind sort of casting or something mm. where somebody as you put it like their blackness is not like seen like for instance you were in natasha pierre and the great comet of 1812 yes and that they cast all sorts of people as that but they're not seen as 
a person of color. They're mm-hmm. just seen as their character. And yeah. that doesn't add anything to the story. Um, and yeah. then examples of like shows where their color is seen is like, for instance, Hairspray, mm. where that is a plot. But that also had its own. You have your own problems with that, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I the thing is that I, I actually have problems. This What's really important to me about this essay for is that it is a retrospective analysis. It is not intended to be a roadmap for how to write in the future. It is only a way of looking at the trends and the sort of nature of the storytelling that we've done so far. And mm-hmm. and because I think that one of the clean the, the the cleanest ways to be innovative is to know what's been happening. And and so for me, a lot of the this this sort of imagined world versus a real world is just quite simply there are two options on stage, which is that we that characters see each other in their blackness or they don't. And the what becomes an imagined world is the idea that they don't because that's an imagined world. All people who are black, no matter how much they live in a in a space of comfort and a space of feeling accepted and 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 uh, uh, we, we, we see each other's bodies for what they are. I, I have no desire to sort of say people are colorblind, right? This, is, this has been dismantled by many thinkers that are, are not me and, and are, are, are quite intelligent about this. Uh, I, but I do think that when you put bodies on stage and the characters don't see each other that for, in their blackness, that to me is like, it, it's sort of indicating to the audience that they should be colorblind like you're not supposed to see the the character right. for like their... it's a post-racial sort of version of yes the world and the challenge and with, we're of course, simply not there yet yeah yeah well i i i would argue that actually we will never be there like the goal is not that people don't see each other and and that for me is the sort of rejection of the sort of 90s and early 2000s language around racism that i find so annoying because the goal is not to not see bodies right right and, and, and I, I feel so passionately that the challenge is not in seeing it. It's actually what seeing it means to you. And I think it's really important that we, as people, that, that we take this opportunity to start engaging with what we actually are seeing and how we think about those things. This, for me, is like, in the interest of sort of connecting this to queerness and sort of living in, in a queer body in the world, I, I, you, you guys have, have had guests on who have talked about like sexual racism. And Mm -hmm. for me, one of the things about sexual racism is that the challenge with the conversation about sexual racism is that it implies that if you're not attracted to somebody, then you are racist. And that's a really challenging uh, leap to make, right? Because attraction is a sort of subconscious thing, right? You can't really say I'm not, I am or not attracted to, people are attracted to things, right? We have People have types. But again, for me, type is a retrospective. It's not a future-looking idea. It's not a thing to identify by because what it will do if you identify by your history, then you actually don't invite change. And that, for me, is the sort of challenge here, right? That's why my essay is about history, not saying what you should or shouldn't do because we have to change. So with this sort of sexual racism conversation, which is this idea that people have like a racial preference in their like you're like my penis likes you know fucking (laughs) um who it was john mayer said my dick is a white supremacist which was like john oh Oh. my god he's himbo (laughs) (laughs) 
But sort of within this, the, within the context of sexual racism, I'm not interested in saying you need to be attracted to X, Y, or Z things. But I am interested in saying you you have had this history of attraction, and what does that say about what you're looking for? How do you actually engage with that? And I actually I go so far as to push this this conversation in all spaces, which is like. For me, the notion of sexuality as identity is confusing because sexuality is a description of a of a behavior that you've engaged in, and a, and an uh, assumption about what your per, your behavior in the future will be. And I have no desire to sort of take that that identity away from anybody because again, these things are real. People see each other's bodies, but mm-hmm. I am interested in saying when you see. A body. What does that actually mean? What? What? How do you interact with a body? When you say I am only sexually attracted to men, doesn't how? What is it that you're defining as a man? How are you? It's all based on these sort of cues, these visual or scent or sound cues. There's all these cues that we have to define other people's identity, and we use those things to sort of create pictures of other people. And I'm I'm interested in sort of how. How do we come to those things? How do we become comfortable in saying, this is how I am? This is who I am in the world? And that for me is like, that's where we get this like weird intersection between the conversation about sexual racism and, and sexuality. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to tell anybody that you have to be attracted to something that you're not attracted to. But I am interested in asking people to look in themselves and say, what am I attracted to and why? And how did this unfold? And like, where does this go? And and it's challenging because this language, of course, is very easily weaponized by people who believe that uh, sexuality should be policed. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to offer language to people to be like, mm, gay is not a real thing. That's objectively not true. And I'm, I'm not interested in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested. I'm, I'm not I'm sure like, those people are listening to this <laughs> podcast anyway. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send this podcast to all of anybody in my social circle. <laughs> they might be. They're just like they're taking notes and they're biding their yeah. time, looking for that that little bit of uh, that little bit of gold. That's and gonna, they're uh, like Heath 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 came on this show and they're like, now it's the time. It's time to unlock because you know. But I, I think that I mean, that's the you know. Yeah. I I guess I never made that connection to these your past and the idea of having a type. Like I think I used to consider myself as having a type and now. I don't think I do. Um, but I, especially like when I was still in Florida, mm-hmm. I if you asked me if I had a type, I would say, yes, this is my type. This is the type of person that I am attracted to. And it doesn't deviate very far from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But again, I think that is very indicative of how I was raised. And it is fascinating when you see, when you see things like, for example, all these people who are like, all about their confederate flag you know yeah and they but i think you're right i think that is like an identity for them and they cling to it oh yeah they do and it's like you don't necessarily have to do that and i but for some reason it feels safe for people to do that i don't know Mm. i don't know what the i mean i you know it's funny I think I, I think that you, what you're pointing to is exactly right, and and I think part of the race conversation there there's a thing that I do in the essay that actually gotten a huge thing because my essay got published and then it got edited without my consent and it was like this whole mm. moment, um and if you follow me on Twitter you can actually see me break down the 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 edit and oh the I'm gonna original. check that out okay for it's sure it's so intense because again I'm a nerd. Uh, and I love language. <laughs> One of the things that I do in the essay is that it's really important to me that I capitalize the word black and I do not capitalize the word white. And the reason that I do this is because 
one of the stories that I think we tell ourselves about race is that there is that black and like white is a race. Like you are white and that's a thing that sort of creates an identity. And I think that that's actually a, a linguistic there there's, there's a, it's, it's sort of a linguistic trick that we don't want to actually engage with. Whiteness mm -hmm. is actually, if nothing else, it sort of operates as the absence of blackness, which is not the same thing as an identity. And what's happening right now is that we're, we're having to grapple with, I, I, I said, uh, you know, over the last, this rise of white supremacy that's happened in the last 10 years. Uh, one of the things is that I'm like, this is actually the natural progression of mm -hmm. identity politics, which is that when you ask people to identify as things, like if that's the thing that's most important, then people who previously had the privilege of not having to identify as something are going to look for something to identify as. So they're going to re-engage with this, like the idea that Confederate, the Confederate flag is part of their identity is like, that's insane. That's mm -hmm. not, it's not an identity. Like, Right. It is because you decided it. And the thing about identity politics is anything that anybody says is true about themselves, we have to sort of accept is true about mm -hmm. them. That's just a that's basic respect of somebody. But mm -hmm. also we've put we've sort of put ourselves into a corner where we can't where we sort of require people to to take on mantles and then make those things true about themselves. So in the essay, I, I talk about white not being a thing and black is a thing. It's a thing that we all have sort of con conceptually in our head. And I really don't want to compare those two things as though they're opposite. There is sure. not black and white because in storytelling, especially when we say a white man, what we really mean is an every man. And when we say a black man, we mean a black every man. So black is the modifier to the neutral, not white is not a modifier to the neutral. That's at least within the context of American storytelling. Right. Well, it's like in, in like in a lot of scripts, you will see that like you'll like here's a character, John, and then in description, like parentheses black. But if they're white, they probably don't have that. Or somebody will put it at the top like, oh, this could be played by anybody. But generally casting people are like, oh, like a white guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's interesting to think about that in terms of sort of neutrality. Right. That neutral the neutral is in fact a cis white, white man. straight man mm -hmm. and that's sure. our and able-bodied right that is what our neutral is at any time a story sort of deals with somebody outside of that they must be dictated that that is the thing that they are and you end up in this space where those stories all end up dealing with that character's relationship to whiteness to white maleness this sort of white patriarchy sure and i i also just know as a writer that unless i say that somebody is something they might not be thought of as that that totally you know well, like exactly, you, they, yeah. you're not, not going to cast they're you're not they're not going to cast a black person unless i specifically say this person is black yes you know exactly, like yeah. yes because i don't have especially a lot of times as a writer you're going to write something and then it's going off to somebody else right you know? but i and i think that that for me is like that's where i go that's actually the place that i want to engage with because this is the story that we keep that we tell ourselves is this is uh, this is for me like the importance of Hamilton. What Hamilton does is it basically says we're not actually specifying the race of these characters in the sort of written text, but we are going to be very particular as casting when we choose to sort of put this thing on its feet. We're going to make these choices that are going to be about expanding the sort of kinds of bodies that can appear in these these spaces in these roles mm -hmm. and for me th this is why i'm, I'm like I, this is not meant to be like me calling out this is really just being like so what i'm interested in engaging with is what does it mean 
to write something in a certain way? And what does it mean about the way that you're thinking about those bodies to do that? Because that's the sort of question that I'm most interested in, which is how do we as writers, and I include myself in this because I do the same thing you're talking about, where I'll say like, this character has to not be white, so I'm going to specify in the script that this character is not white. But as soon as I do that, I'm telling a story about whiteness and blackness in my own spirit, in my own mind, in my own heart, that I have to, I am sort of now having to engage with in a new way and being like, oh, that's interesting. Why do I assume X, Y, and Z things are true about this character? Or why do I assume that the reader is gonna not think about this character as being a person of color? And the answer to that is because you're assuming that the reader is in fact going to be white. And that's when we get into the problem. Sure. Mm -hmm. In in a particular case where you're like, this person needs to be, Asian or Indi- Indian or, or black or Hispanic or Native American, that this is required for the script because this is a story about that kind of person. How, where, where do you, where does that go? Does it have a place? Uh, yes, I think so. Th- I think that the reality of all of this is that if, you know, talking about the imagined versus the real world that, uh, you know, this idea that in a imagined world, people don't see each other's race and in a real world, people do. I think that actually all storytelling takes place in an imagined world. So we actually get to make choices about how people see and interact with each other. And my goal in the whole essay is actually about being conscious about the way we ask people to do that. And I think being recognizing in ourselves, especially that, that I would say that you as a white body making, having an opinion about this is getting yourself into hot water, which is like, this is, to to at this point in this particular moment in history we don't really have an option except for to get more people of color and black people and like those people have to be the ones who are writing the stories about those people absolutely sure yeah but but i mean we should also include stories that have multiple different kinds of people like i i don't think i should just write about only gay white men. I don't want to do that. Right. But I, I, right, no, totally. But I actually, for, the thing is that when I'm, when I talk to sort of individuals on, on a sort of writing perspective, my, my thing is like, you should actually think about characters not being relational to you, right? Because as soon as people become, like if you're writing, writing what you know, like you, you're like, oh, I'm going to only write a gay male character. You actually, Every choice that you make that makes somebody different than that, you're doing that in sort of relation to your own identity experience. And I'm much more interested in like pushing on people's writers' experiences where I'll say things like, uh, because I do, I've been sort of acting as a diversity consultant for a couple of, of shows in their development. And a lot of what I'll do is being like, okay, so I love this conversation that we're having. I love that we're talking about the, you know, using different bodies and having different types of people on stage. What I'm actually really interested in is the next time that you do a reading of the show, cast it as though the bodies of the characters don't matter. So cast it aggressively against the way it's written and then talk to those actors about what those characters are doing. So if you, if you want to have a, if, if a character in your show, it has to be a quote unquote black female, ask a person who's a black female to play a character who is not the black female and have them basically read a character that's not the one that their body actually 
operates in that that they're 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 so their body isn't being used but you then are put into a space where you're actually able to have a conversation with different different people who are going to have different perspectives and not asking them to sort of limit their perspective to their own identity because if you were asked only to speak for yourself as a white lesbian or or as a gay man who is white like if you're asked to only speak for that experience then you're sort of re reaffirming this idea that that's the neutral that you have a sort of uh, uh, a finger a uh, 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 a finger on the pulse of neutrality and i'm like that's an illusion we all we all have our sort of own experiences of neutral and you'll find really really interesting things when you have different bodies doing the thing i had one of my friends uh wrote a show that's for basically five men and they those five characters all are it, the show's about toxic masculinity so it's five men and he was like i want to make sure that i'm being open and and progressive and like that it feels honest and true and i was like try having five women read it like <laughs> baseline because you know who knows about toxic masculinity better than men do women so yeah and it, it's like and he you know he has his own experience with that and that is what it is but I, I and that's not about how the show should be presented in the end it's about learning about what you're writing because you're going to get that feedback in spaces that you don't you don't necessarily know we all have blind spots right right and Absolutely. that for me is the sort of thing that that's about acknowledging in yeah. future moving also if you know making musicals right now is hard because we have 18 months in which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who's gonna watch him yeah. who's gonna come is it and then yeah we have we can fit like what 10 people in the theater safely or right. how's that gonna work oh my god that german theater where they like take out all of they're like two suits and then a blank and then yeah. two suits and blank i'm it's like crazy. oh god this is gonna be a disaster no i appreciate i appreciate what you yeah. say about the idea of like using black bodies you know because i think there is obviously like as writers especially zach and i as white writers you know we're like there's obviously the industry around us is telling us diversity mm -hmm. and diversity sells which i think in itself is a can be a little problematic too because it's just a <laughs> right it's not because it's just like, a response hey, we gotta tell these stories it's like hey it's selling right now right yeah, it's very, there's, it, those are two different yeah, things. yeah. It, it, the industry is having a response that mm -hmm. is uh well, this is hot right now. This, uh, you know what I mean? Like, this is how we, this is what's good for our brand to right. be on the side of being, being progressive. Um, so I do think, yeah, there, there has been a lot of white writers have been thinking about, okay, so how do I be inclusive? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's that, I think that that question about like, what do we do is the question that I think everybody's asking. And I think that artists in particular tend to, air on the idea that the doing is to sort of tell uh you're like oh i i have a show and this character can be a gay character or this character can be uh, uh, uh this could i could put a trans woman in this this role and the mm -hmm. challenge that i have with this is that it makes it seem like the way that we're embod like the way that we're talking about this is like that that somebody's identity somebody's body is actually gonna be the same thing as their life. And I and that for me is like uh, that's just objectively untrue. Like if you want to include trans bodies in your pieces, which you should, have them read roles that are not just trans bodies, right? Like mm -hmm. that's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna open up our minds and our hearts and our spirits about what kinds of things can be done. 
And again, I think that this is a unique moment because we have this break. Like we we don't have the pressure to like produce the thing tomorrow. That this is a unique moment to sort of engage with the way that we think about these stories. And that for me is like the doing now is this sort of scary world of experimenting and know that you're going to, you're going to mess up so many times. It's not, there's no, you're not going to have like, I, my first thing that I say as, as sort of a, uh, a, a diversity consultant is I'm like, you do not get the right to say you brought on a person of color and that makes what you're doing. Okay. That's just not, I'm not here for that. I'm not going to be responsible for what you do in this story. I am simply here to sort of observe the trends or the tropes that you're using and just sort of try and help you understand the ways that those play into a harmful stereotypes or stereotypes in general, or what the, what your own sort of internal racist compass might be. Right. Right. How do we be anti-racist? It's an active thing that we're doing. We have to actively try to do different things because if we don't, if we're not active about it, we're just going to be racist. (laughs) Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked about in the show a lot, like just where I come have come from and like the ways I've changed, but it's like, I mean, I've, I've fucked up a lot of times and I'm still learning and you know, I've, I'm nowhere near, I think, where I should be ideally but um I think Zach and I have felt similar things where I know I I don't know if this has happened to you Zach but where I've been asked to consult also in a way Mm. like as a as a woman or as a lesbian right Mm -hmm. and it you can tell the difference between is this person trying to tell a story or does this person want the lesbian seal of approval mm-hmm, so that right. when some they can say hey she said it was okay you know right there's a difference between like hey there's this gay joke can you laugh at it so i can say one gay guy <laughs> said it was funny <laughs> yeah or yeah. what do you actually think about this am i like am i doing the right thing here yeah. right and and i think that's actually what you're pointing to is 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 really the sort of challenge here right cuz there isn't i really don't think that we're this is not a thing that we will find us. It is very American capitalist to think that there's like a, a fix to this. Like mm-hmm. easy thing. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or even not just that there's an easy thing that there's going to be some way that we'll be able to look at ourselves and be like, you know what? We did it. Right. right? That, that we will have a <laughs> good for me. I mean, I mean, I, I mean us. Right. Like, like, look, we did it. And the thing is that that's that for me is like, that's not the work. Right. It's not a matter of how do you add more bodies into your space? And once you have 17 black people and you have, you know, if we go through and like this is that's the, the number percentage. We, we, we cooked it up in the lab and it's 17 right. and that's it. <laughs> and then Racism's you over. Right. And the thing is that, you know, a, a lot of people actually came after my after my essay were like, so what do you think we should do? Like if, mm. if right. representation isn't the point. And I'm like, it's actually I, representation is the point. Right. Like right now, we have to be active about representation, but we have to be active about representation on all levels of things, which means people have to be willing to like not be the gatekeeper of something. They have to be willing to like step aside being like, I have these resources and I'm actually not going to make the decision about where these resources go. And that is a horrifying notion. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, people have egos, you know, they 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 want to be they want their hands in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We again, that's and for me, that's like American capitalism. That's what we're sort of all. That we, nobody is not touched by that. Maybe there is a one and done thing. We just get rid of that. <laughs> just take that out. Oh my god! Yeah, right? <laughs> just rip it out. Right. Take that 
that bottom minute, Jenga block This out. capitalism seems to be a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally. We're like, well, what, what are you supposed to do? But I do think, I yeah. think that, that the, the sort of allyship, the idea that you have, uh, that a gatekeeper opens the gate for people is actually much more complicated than opening the gate. It's like, you have to open the gate and then be like, I'm no longer the person who's in charge. And then step back. And then sit down or go outside the gate and close it on yourself. And like, all right, have fun, have fun in there. But (laughs) good luck. And that's that is so hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't, we want to, we want to feel like we're doing something. We want to feel like we're fixing it. And I'm like, yes. So all of the things that are about fixing it is about is about the act of doing the thing that's fixing it. The importance of donating, the importance of marching in the protests. It's not that you're doing the thing so that you're proving that you're not racist. It's that hopefully by engaging in this new way of engaging with yourself and your money and your time, that it will change the way that you think about these things. And if that changes, that's going to be the sort of like, oh my gosh, look, tiny things are different. Tiny things are different. Tiny things are different. And then we find Mm -hmm. ourselves in a space where you're like, oh, look at that. And then we can look at something and I can look back at, you know, the assortment of musicals that have been written or the assortment of movies. And you can look at it and you'll be like, look, there is better representation now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, there's that hilarious video. I don't know if you saw it. There's every person of color speaking in a Harry Potter movie in the no. entire franchise. Oh, oh I did not see in, it. How long is it? Six minutes and 47 seconds. No! Wait, it, it might be longer than that. It might be in like the seven, entire 14. eight movies. Does, in that entire include, eight movies. does that include the uh, the prequel, like, Scamander stuff, too? Or is it just the main Harry Potters? Either way, I, it's bad. Either way, it's bad. It's worse. The, the one yeah. that I actually got, I actually only got into this sort of world because my sister was in a Nancy Myers movie. She was in The Intern. And oh, wow. there was a every person of color speaking in a Nancy Myers movie and it's five minutes and 47 seconds and my sister takes up two seconds of it with her single oh line God. that she was in. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, Claire, you made it. <laughs> but it was you like, got that two I mean, second spot. Right. I but, mean, uh, so many Nancy Myers movies are just like, Couple white people just good at their jobs and nice kitchens. Right. <laughs> I I often no. joke that my fashion sense is is a middle aged woman in a Nancy Myers film because I like a lot of like draping like cardigans, <laughs> like, <laughs> like long long necklaces. I love them. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean that's luxury. Right. right. Yeah. That that's luxury. It's luxury. It's but lux- but but for me the point is like I don't want to go to Nancy Myers and say Nancy Myers hire more people of color. That's that for me is like that's going to engage the story. The story that we're telling in that context is like more bodies equals less racism. And it's not really that it's like more bodies will both lead to less racism. And also it's like both part of the solution and part of the problem. Because there's a problem where it's just like, hey, look, we got a bunch of extras mm -hmm. that are people of color. That's got to be worth something. Right. 17. We cooked up that number in the lab (laughs) like we talked about. Exactly. It's like adding a it's like adding a garnish to a plate like it's a pop of color that looks nice <laughs> right. but it, you can't eat it yeah. and there's no substance to it. Right. 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 That's it. And I, I it's like I I don't know how to I don't know how to move forward except to just acknowledge that that's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like look yeah. no. It's not up to you. He right. to have all the answers. No, it is up to me because that's what individualism is. If I can have all the answers, then I can have all the money. And that Capitalism! is what I'm going for. Capitalism. Yeah. Well, I think like one thing you, you can, you know, speak on rather than giving us all the answers to our future problems and these current problems. But um, 
Uh, I just uh, you talk a little bit in in the essay just about your own personal experience mm. uh, in theater, mm -hmm. um, specifically uh, that that playing seaweed in Hairspray. Yeah, that, I thought that was an interesting story. I I was going through a bunch of uh, just those different hashtag hashtag theater in color yeah. posts, and there was just there was a lot of like bat horrible notes from directors. Yeah, from white directors to their cast. Oh yeah, like it is. It's infuriating. It's like you were saying, when it's all together like that, like one every so often you're like, woof, that's bad. And then just all of it, you, you mm -hmm. realize it's everywhere. I don't know. I would, I would yeah. Could you talk about um, your specific experience? <laughs> I, uh, I have been, I'm, I'm very fortunate and unfortunate. It's a weird, my life in theater has been defined by my, my ethnic ambiguity. So I've, I find myself put into positions where my ethnicity doesn't really matter to the story at all. It's except for to make a bunch of essentially white people feel better about the fact that they're not all white people on stage. Mm -hmm. I sort of right. operate in this, in this sort of nebulous space. And that's actually the space that I'm, I'm as an actor, it's sort of tough because the reason I operate in that space is because it is just easier for me to not have to engage with people with them telling me things about what it means to be a person of color. I, I was in a show. I'm not going to give you chronological because I don't want to actually tell you what show it was, but I, I did do a show where I was playing a role that uh, is normally played by white bodies. And the director at one point during the, the thing was like, almost basically made a statement that was like, we have done something important by having me in this role. And I literally, I, I, I just, in the moment, and I, again, I feel comfortable doing things like this because I'm an, a huge asshole and it, it's like, I, <laughs> I, I like have zero time for it. But I, so I was just like, we're not going to have that conversation. This is not, this is not the, this power dynamic between the, you and I doesn't allow us to have this conversation. I am an actor right. here. You are the director. Right. So I am not in a position in this moment to be able to have a real heart to heart about what it means to be a person of color in this moment. So okay. I would, I would like, and I, literally, I was like, I would like to just not have that conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. And and that for me, that choice was, is it, the challenge is that I look back on that moment and I realized that I might have been setting up a precedent so that in other moments where this director might have been interacting with people of color, that my reaction meant that they shouldn't have that conversation, which I think it, it's a person to person basis. I just was like, look, you're going to, if we have this conversation, you're going to start talking about the way you're using my body. And I'm just not comfortable with that. So, right. mm -hmm. so let's just not. <laughs> well, and yeah, that's a big problem. I think too, with, you know, how you're talking about like using black bodies when, you know, a lot of the writers and the directors are still mm. going to be these like white cis men. And they are in these positions of power where you are, working for them essentially totally i mean i just had like a really awkward conversation with my landlord a couple days ago i didn't feel comfortable calling him out on a very sexist thing he said because he is the person who decides whether or not i get to live there right Ooh. and right. you are in that position as well as a person of color and yeah it's it's not a fair power position no not at all and there was a there's an amazing story i uh Pro on Twitter where somebody was talking about being one of two black writers in a, in a writer's room and that every time something came up 
that was race related. They basically the entire writers room would just like look to the black person, and like one of the bla- one of the right the black people in the room wasn't yeah. wasn't even like one of the main writers. It was like an assistant, and they kept being mm. like, "Well, what do you think about it?" And it was like they were like, "I am the assistant in this room of right like." You, this power, the the power structure here Mm -hmm. does not allow me to have an opinion about this that's going to matter. So you have all of these like single or one of two or one of three people of color in these institutions. And the institution keeps looking to that person to okay or say like something's like right or wrong. And it's like, no, that that you you're putting them on the spot to speak for an entire group of people. This happens for, I I think, uh, uh, women, I think, happens a lot in in uh, a lot of writers' rooms and in, in a lot mm-hmm. of collaborations where, like, the one woman, I you know, I to call out Pretty Woman on Broadway. Pretty Woman on Broadway mm-hmm. had one female. There was the one of the lead producers was is a woman, and then like one associate music director, and it was like that's. I was like, how? What is wrong? You guys, you're like, we're going to make a feminist musical and you just don't hire any women? Like what? Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? Women take up half of that, the title of that show. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. But almost nobody behind the stage. That's, yeah, come on. And it's like, and it's funny because like, then they would like go and like do their branding thing. We're like, we're retelling the story of Pretty Woman. So it's actually like impactful from the, you know, it's an empowering female story. And I wanted to be like, look, Pretty Woman is about a rich man who buys a prostitute out of prostitution. That is what happens in the show. That's it. That's, that's, that's yeah. There's you can have the prostitute sing an "I Want" song. That's "I Want to Be Out of Prostitution," <laughs> yeah. and in fact, it's still the same story, which right. is the solution to her prostitution problem. Is no amount of like you know what I see myself. I found it. Yeah. It's, right. You should fall in love with a rich person, and like right. let's, we, now that I'm in this dress and have these pearls on, and he did that <laughs> cute like finger slapping thing. I'm like, oh, I know who I am. It's it's this person who was bought out of prostitution, yeah. right? And I, I wanted to be like, look, if you want to do, if you want to adapt Pretty Woman, because I like understand she the financial choice. Him, right? Well, that's I actually I, that's one option. I yeah. my my version of it would be to essentially do the do the movie verbatim. Like as close to exactly like not try and fix the story at all, but then just have all women do it. Like have no men on stage <gasps> and just Ooh, like, that'd be fun. like do it. Exactly, I love that. Not and not even like oh, having them play women, like not making it a lesbian story, not like, right. literally just only have female bodies on stage do the exact. And then what I think would happen is that people would see the show and they'd be like, is this really what the this story is of this is? Right. They would be like, yeah. this is That's absurd. Great. That's kind of great. <laughs> I'd be like, we're just going to have a, we're going to have some random woman do a Richard Gere impression. We're going to like, yeah. just do it as, because Perfect. I'm, I am so not interested in trying to rewrite history. So you feel more comfortable mm. with that history. Right. Mm. I would much rather, if you want to pull the, this brand is sellable, I'm happy to like have that conversation, but let's do it by like, let's, in, this is why I love the, the Oklahoma revival. The Oklahoma revival was like the show you like is super fucked up and yeah. that right. is messed up. Just be tongue in cheek about I, it. Yeah. Like Put a spotlight just on it, yeah. show them exactly what yeah. it is. And I'm like, right. I don't, I'm not interested in people trying to fix Taming of the Shrew. I want you to present Taming of the Shrew exactly as it's written and then try like, and engage is... with it. 
Like ask yeah. the audience to engage with what they're seeing, with the tropes that they're understanding. Make choices about the bodies that appear in it that that right. fight against these sort of tropes so that you're actually having a conversation because that's the goal, not to make right. people yeah. feel okay about themselves. Right. They, this is Ooh. this is only slightly related, but that reminds me about how like every year there'll be like places that do a drag version of Rocky Horror Picture mm -hmm. Show and it 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 bugs me to no end that it's always an all male cast. Right. Uh, men play the women and they also hunkier men in less clothes play the guys. Right. And like what so great. You just cast a show that is just all men, a show about gender identity but it's just going to be guys and no women like have a, a woman play dr scott and frankenfurter and brad like have you know like well fuck why not if you want to mm -hmm. if you go back and read my essay again think about yeah. the what uh, one of the things that i encourage people also to do that i've actually been doing in part of my work i've been really like active about this and i've only been recently engaging with the fact that there are vectors of there are intersections of identity that i have been not devoting my spirit to in the way that I would like to be. But if you think about the way that female bodies operate on stage, it's really, really tragic. Like really it's, it's like, Oh, there's, I, I'm, I'm going to, I might get this statistic slightly wrong, but I saw three shows back to back when I first moved to New York, which were Aladdin and Motown and Newsies. And between the three shows, there were like 88 male ensemble roles and like 27 uh, named male characters. And then there was like 26 female ensemble and seven female named characters. Oh. And I was like, and these yeah, were three shows wild. that were like very color conscious and like lots of black people. Really, like everybody was like, yay, look at these things that are happening. There are people of color <laughs> on stage. And I was like, yeah. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Maybe. Let's <laughs> talk about the way that we use women on stage. Right. Oh, come on, Heath. We already did the. We already did the black people thing. You can't make us do two things. I know. There's so many, so many bodies. And women. And women. But where are all the white guys gonna go? The women have Chicago. Okay, they're gonna be in Chicago. Oh, that's the show. That's the show. The Chicago, the show in which all of the women appear on stage essentially naked. Naked, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> now you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Put more. Oh, you got God. It. There you go. And, and you know, we can talk about, like, the number of, of female-identified roles that go to male-bodied performers. Like, that's a trope. And very, very, very rarely do male characters get played by female bodies. This is, like, a... Mm. Absolutely. I mean, truly, like, the num the, if you start to, like, look at the intersection between the stories we're telling and the bodies we use to tell those stories, it's like, oh... No, <laughs> we're not doing well. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh right. my gosh. I mean, it's not just on Broadway too, though. Like, there's regional theaters, and they have their own problems. Like, I mean, how many like smaller regional theaters have done Hairspray or West Side Story, and then it was an all-white cast, but it's just because they really wanted to do. The yeah. Thing, you, know? I, you, you know, that gets into. A, it's interesting to talk about West Side Story. There's an article in the New York Times by. Karina Del Valle Shorsky, short, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and she wrote, we should basically abandon um, West Side Story. We should like give it up as a show. And one of the things that I found really interesting about that is that West Side Story is a really interesting space to look at the authenticity problem because people say, oh, it's about Puerto Ricans, and therefore you should cast 
Puerto Ricans or Latinx identifying people in as the sharks. But the problem is that West Side Story actually defines the experience of Puerto Rico for a lot of people in the world. And it's actually not a real thing. Like the Puerto Rico in West Side Story is like an imagine it's like you might as well be like atlantis these people are from atlantis and like <laughs> yeah. that because yeah. it's and it's like there's no the, the mambo that they do at the gym is not a mambo so it's like right. it's not the right they do a paso doble dance when they sing america which is like a spanish right. paso doble which is not puerto rican there's right. all these things about it that it's like oh this is the illusion of of Puerto Rico. And when you put right. authentic actors in it, it actually doesn't really make it better because you're just telling now what we're now doing is like telling the story that this is authentically yeah. Puerto Rico when it never was. You're like, mm. it makes sense that white people would and, be in it. Yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, on, right. on top of that as well, I mean, yes, both the jets and the sharks are shown to be like, yeah, you know, it's not great that they're fighting, but the jets are shown to be cool and it's fun to be a right. jet. Man, they have that cool song, and I, you know what? I kind of like the Jets. They, they're all right, but the Sharks never get their moment. They're always like just mean to you know the whole time. Like they, like man, why are they keeping these two kids apart? I don't know. The, it's the, just like <laughs> they don't get the same treatment. The two sides of the West the, Side Story uh, was one hundred percent my first musical that I did as, yeah. a, as an actor as a shark, <laughs> yeah. and I of course am not Latinx identifying, uh, but I am ethnically ambiguous and i am from seattle and in seattle don't have a lot of ethnic ambiguity <laughs> right i always joke that i like learned that you shouldn't call a japanese american person chinese before i learned that i was black like i my earliest wow. consciousness yeah. about race is is in relation to my asian american friends because right. i grew up because where that's you grew what up I, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Wow. And yeah. that's a lot to unpack for me. Tell you what. <laughs> that is a lot. I bet. Oof. All right. Well, it sounds like we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot but you know of what? work to do. But I've I'm, got another like two hours before I'm going to bed, so I can fix it. <laughs> well, if we're doing that, we're probably going to need to warm up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, I've, uh, so we're going to play, we're just going to play a little game. I don't know if it's as much a game as it's just uh, a chance to show how either talented or stupid some of us oh, are. Oh, God. Um, but it, doing theater, I'm sure you've done plenty of diction warm-ups. Oh. Mm-hmm. Or no? Uh-huh. Have you not? No. Yes? I, yep. Okay, so I grabbed a couple. I grabbed a couple just to start out with, and then I grabbed a couple for us to really dig in. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to really... This is a this is one that I think looks the hardest, and I'm going to challenge myself because I've been trying to challenge myself Is lately. it the one that is the Guinness Book of World Records toughest tongue twister so far, apparently? Oh, oh no. Really curious about which one that is. I'm going to try the Imagine one first. Okay. 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 Imagine an imaginary menagerie manager managing an imaginary menagerie. Not so that bad. was really good. good. That was pretty. That was great. really good. Thank you. That was really good. That was that was solid. That I was... love like these, just they're nonsense phrases. They're just somebody sat around and was like, just put How can words I really together in a way that someone? was basically a sentence, sort of. You, you know, know, it means something. What I'm most impressive impressed by in that moment, Haley, is is the the fact that you made the sentence make sense. Like you actually like delivered the sentence with like you the did. correct like subject and verb and object i was like okay yeah. why thank you well done. come through diction <laughs> i am known for my diction everyone tells me that you know <laughs> i've got great diction <laughs> they said great diction that Haley, she's an idiot you know can't even walk without running into a wall but 
but the diction. damn if her addiction isn't incredible uh heath should uh, i try the, the super yeah, hard try one? one yes i'm gonna go embarrass myself this is no, no too many consonants okay <clears throat> the sixth sick sheiks sixth sheep's sick <sighs> Ugh. Ugh, it's that bad, right? No, tasted the, the, bad. The, the sixth. Oh, God. Sixth, sick, sheiks, sixth, sheeps, sick. Ugh. Yeah, it's no just, sense. It, Nonsense. Reading it, I know what it, it's go, what's going on, but I can't imagine hearing it, what it sounds like. Yeah. The sixth, I feel sick, sick saying it. Uh, yeah. Is the last sick. It's, it's, just saying it simply feels sick. Is the last sick, sick supposed to mean a sheep's like throw up? No, I think the ship. The, the sheep sick. is sick. The six. Yeah. The six. Six sheep is sick. So there are six sick sheiks, and cool. the sixth sick sheik has six sheep, and the and sixth, the sixth one. sheep of the sixth sick sheik is sick. You got it. <laughs> you got it. That's it. All right. I think. Wow. Okay. So that actually brings me to what I think the main, oh what boy. the main game is. And I found longer ones. Oh, and God. I really want to dig in to figure out what is going on in these Great. phrases oh, and sentences. Okay. So bring it on. I'm, I'm okay. sending, I'm se- sending you lo- longer oh, ones. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. I would love to cr- yeah. try a couple. There's some, there's some longer ones if you're feeling really Frisky, di- frisky, and some shorter ones as well. And then I found these these great like radio announcers tests. Can I read one? Please. This do. is not so much a tongue twister, but basically in the 1920s was way to gauge vocal skills of a radio announcer. And so they use every letter of the alphabet, and they involve involve retention, memory, repetition, and enunciation and stuff. And so this one's called one hen. Or do you want me to read one hen or Penelope Calmondelli? That one. Whatever that <laughs> name was. Tell you what. I, this isn't her last name. Okay. Penelope Commandelli raised her azure eyes from the crabbed scenario. She meandered along the congeries of her memoirs. There was the kinetic Algernon, the choleric artificer of icons and triptychs who wanted to write a trilogy. For years, she had stifled her wrist abilities for, with dour moods. His asthma caused him to soft like severs among the tamarack. Whoa. Couldn't tell you what any of that means, to be honest. I would have wow. had a stroke at Azure. <laughs> Azure. <laughs> that, was a, that was where I, I that was where we got the, the hiccup from me. There, there's the other one reads like a really bad twelve days of Christmas. It's like one hen, two ducks, three squawking geese, four limerick oysters, five corpulent porpoises. <laughs> 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 six pairs of dawn owls, bears, tweezers, six thousand Macedonians in full battle array. Seriously? Six thousand Macedonians in full battle array? Yeah, that and then eight the brass phrase. monkeys from the ancient cr- sacred crypts of Egypt, and then nine apathetic, sympathetic, diabetic old men on roller skates with a marked propensity towards procrastination and sloth. Dang. Okay, first off, this is how I'm going to figure out whether I've found my true love, is if on the eighth day of Christmas, my true love <laughs> gives to me... <laughs> brass monkeys from the ancient sacred crypts brass of Egypt. Brass monkeys from the ancient... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I will settle for nothing less. <laughs> nothing Honestly, less. It, if it's if it's anything less, it's fake. It's fake love. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if it's five corpulent porpoises. It, I won't go. I won't go. And honestly, I'm, I'm changing the the lyrics to the Christmas song, and I'll just be like, "On the first day of Christmas, my fake love <laughs> gave to me a partridge <laughs> in a pear tree." <laughs> Boo. All right, uh, so I sent you a couple of these stories. There's uh, some of them are much longer than others, and by some of them I mean yeah. one of them. One of them in particular it has is so long, many O's in it. Only if you're feeling good about yourself should you do it. Also, how, how do you say 
Yali? Yali? Yali Bali? Yali Yali Bali? Yali Bali had a jolly golly Yali Bali. It's probably Yali Bali. I like this one. Yali Bali. This is the one that I'm going to read. Okay. Wait, Yali? Yali? I think it's Yali Bali because everything is jolly and golly. Oh, yeah, probably. Or maybe there's there's Holly. There's a doily in there. Holly Dolly. I think it's Oz. No, I think it's all Oz. Okay. Yeah. Yali Bali had a jolly golly wog. Feeling folly, Yali Bali bought his jolly golly a dolly made of holly. The golly, feeling jolly, named the holly dolly, Polly. So Yali Bali's jolly gol- Whoa. So Yali Ooh. Bali's jolly golly's holly dolly Polly's also jolly. Figured it out. Ooh. Okay, ready? Yeah. So Bali, this dude, Yali Bali, yeah. let's call him Yali Bali. His name is he, is, his mm-hmm. name's Yali Bali. Yeah, we'll call him Yali Bali. And his yeah. gollywog is super happy. Is a gollywog, is that's like a... What, Maybe what a tadpole. That? Like a, that's what it is it's in my head. a tadpole, I think. I have no I idea if that's true. That Are we really thinking sure. that because the Pokemon? <laughs> that's probably <laughs> the Pollywog. It's got, I think that's what it is. I mean, they, they got that That's where they something. got it from? It's got to yeah. be. So, Yali Bali had a jolly Pollywog. <laughs> got it. <laughs> uh, and so he was feeling crazy. So, Yali Bali... Oh, we went on a spending spree. He went on a spending spree, and he bought his jolly golly... A dolly made of holly or a holly dolly. A holly hmm. dolly. You know those so, dolls made of holly that you you buy at T- Toys R Us? Yes. Sure, when you want to... Yeah. When you want to give your pollywog a present. <laughs> yeah, so, of course. But, but okay. once... So that then the gollywog, who was feeling great about this, named yeah. that present, the holly dolly, Polly. So yeah. Yali oh, Bolly's Jolly Golly's Holly Dolly Polly's also jolly. It's three jollies. They're all having jollies. Everyone's jolly now. Everyone's jolly. Jolly Bolly. I got we the golly, and Polly, and Polly the dolly. Couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be simpler. Yeah, no, it sounds pretty it, easy. It really everybody be wins. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. Is Holly? No, I'm thinking mistletoe is poisonous. Holly's po- probably fine for a a gollywog, right? Holly. I just I'm afraid it's gonna eat it. You know. Oh I, yeah, you know, it's gonna get me. Yeah, yeah no, you I don't assume want that. that Holly's like trying to kill you. I gen- generally assume <laughs> that all Christmas plants are trying to kill you. <laughs> uh, Haley, you got one. I do. I'm gonna try this one because I feel like it's the same length as last one and and okay. kind of similar. So Is it I'm gonna Bill do the and bill. billboard. I'm gonna do the bill yeah. with billboard. Okay. Bill had a billboard. Bill also had a board. Bill. The board bill. Board bill. So Bill sold his billboard and paid his board bill. Then the board bill no longer board bill. But though he had no board bill, neither did he have his billboard. Oh. Oh. He had a board bill. Oh, oh he, he had, had a, so bill. a board bill. He, like, can you for pay his my bills? Bi- for his billboard. For his apartment? Can you pay my board bills? He had a board bill because he bought a board, a billboard. You have to pay for those things. Oh. Oh. But then... Not like not like room and board, Wait. but like his his oh. board. There was a bill for the billboard. Right. I assume there was a bill for the billboard, but no, there no, might no, have been a room no, and board bill. Because he no, he sold he sold his billboard and to pay his board bill. So I think they're two. I think they must things. be two. I think, so, I think you're right. I think oh, he's, okay. He's try, this bill, bill is trying to pay rent. But I would like to bill. say that Bill is a communist icon because he's bored <laughs> by his board bill. He's he bored. said. I'm bored. He said rent that bores me. <laughs> Oh, that bores me. It's so (laughs) French. That's very French. (laughs) No, thank you. Oh, Bill, bored by the board, Bill. Oh, it's such a buzzer. I so (laughs) sell my billboard. It's sad because obviously the billboard was not bringing in enough revenue 
Yeah, well, he had to sell the bill, right. his sell the billboard to pay the board. He so probably billboard. just said, "Stop paying rent." Yeah, yeah. I think he said, "Cancel <laughs> the rent." He it said, said "Fuck the pigs. hashtag cancel the, the rent." Pigs. He said, "Extend the pig, the, yeah. pa- the pandemic <laughs> unemployment to Relief. the end of the year yes. and cancel the rent." Yes. We love Bill. We love, love Bill. Bill. Billboard. Communist love icon Bill. Bill. We love a Bill. We lo- yeah. I love Bill. I, I love Bill. Love Bill. Big fan of Bill. Honestly, we can uh, all agree that we're a big fan of Bill. Uh, do should I do the the last one or do I do the full the long grip top sock or do we do we split that because that one's fun. There's a lot going on in grip top sock. What if we all do it at the same time? Oh wow, that sounds like hell. That sounds okay, like somebody's version of hell. Probably should try it. <laughs> it sounds like the opposite of ASMR, whatever we're about to do. Right. Well, I'm actually going to do the entire thing as an ASMR. Oh, yeah. So okay, just... yes, do it. Okay. Okay. Are we going to do it all together? We have to do it all together. Well, how many lines is it? It's two, four, six, eight, ten, do we twelve. It's roughly, it's, we each get four lines. Right. Okay, four lines. Go. Heath starts. You, do you want to go? No, you have to start. You go. You've practiced okay. this. This is Grip Top Sock in ASMR. Give me the gift of a grip top sock, a clip drape ship shape tip top sock. Not your spin slick slapstick slipshod stock, but a plastic elastic grip top sock. None of your fantastic slap swap slop (laughs) from a slapdash flash cash haberdash shop. Not a knick knack knit lock knock knee knickerbocker sock. With a mock shot, blob, model, trick, ticker, top, cork. <laughs> Not a super sheet, seersucker, rucksack, sock. Not a spot, speckled, frog, freckled, cheap, shake, sock. Off a hodgepodge, moss, blotched, spodge, podged, block. Nothing slipshod, drip, drop, flip, flop, or glip, glop. Tip me to a tip, top, grip, top, sock. <laughs> is anybody so aroused? <laughs> <laughs> when we were sexual, like, this is the, the whole kink. time. This is it. <laughs> Honestly, is tell me about your grip top sock. <laughs> grip top sock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, not a knick knack knit knock need knickerbocker sock. No, no, no. Oh, no. God. Um, so oh. DM Zach and I if you came this episode and uh, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Let uh, us know in the comments if you came this episode. You, came. you might as well Obviously did. message us if you didn't come because that would be just way less emails to go through. Honestly, exactly. So, yeah. true. Like, I'm actually Honestly. already sending a uh, email. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, that was beautiful. That was better that than was I beautiful. even hoped. That's, yeah, that's, that was honestly, great. Honestly, that's theater. <laughs> that's, that's and that's theater. theater. And, and that's Broadway. That's Broadway, baby. Easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows, it's me. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so it's all he wants is just a regular old shot, sock. He's at so this person is clearly at like a Coles or something, and, he and just, they're looking for socks. <laughs> he just wants a Coles. grip top. This is what this is what your dad wants for Father's Day. <laughs> this is what your dad wants for Father's Day. <laughs> this he is said, what dad's crave. <laughs> dad's crave. They crave the gift. Give them the grip top of a sock. Grip top sock. <laughs> you know what? That's so real because my dad is obsessed with Coles. Like no shit. He literally is like <laughs> he talks about Coles all the time because no shit. He's like. You can go in there, you get your Levi's, and you go. Now, here's my <laughs> question. Is this you more, don't got to walk through the mall or nothing. Is this more that dads like Kohl's or that Floridians like Kohl's? That's my real question. Here. Both. Ooh. Are Both? all Floridians dads? 
Oh, oh is it a dad's square Floridians deep Is it down. a square rectangle situation? <laughs> I don't know. Not not all dads are Floridians, but all Floridians. I think it's dads. the Venn diagram between dads and Floridians. <laughs> That's the one that I'm interested that in. That they like yeah. Floridian poles. dads. Poles is right there in the middle. <laughs> Uh, he, thank you so much for coming. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we definitely learned a lot. I was like, okay, yeah, we've, thank you. We've gone from full-on racism in theater right. to yeah. Floridian to dads at Coles. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for being like so silly with us, but also just really digging into. Oh it. my god! Thank you for and bringing on me on your podcast. Being on podcasts is my favorite thing in the world. I love being on podcasts. That's great. It's like my. We how many have you been back on, on sometime? Uh, I've been on like four or five. Mm. I'm trying to. I'm really trying to up that. Like having people randomly asked to come on to their podcasts. Great. But well, if you've got a podcast, let Heath if know. If you've got a podcast, but, bring me on. But Heath, <laughs> have any of them turned the reins over to you and had you ask them a question that you've never asked before? Heath is like, absolutely. Yes, actually. All f- I, all I, I, I insist. Probably it's all part of time. my contract. Literally every. I, I yeah. should actually add that if you want me on your podcast, this is actually a, a requirement that I have to be allowed to ask (laughs) (laughs) at least one question and not be judged by no but I did what what, when you said that I had to do this yesterday I was like that is a that is a tall order for me because I I never want to ask a like simple question so I was like Mm -hmm. how am I gonna ask this question but I actually think I I think this is more of like a discussion point than it is um a question but I do want you to think about uh, a lot of times we ask people what makes them special, right? Like we like, what's the most unique thing about you? Or like say one interesting fact. I'm curious what the most normal thing about you is. So the thing that you think apl- like you share <gasps> with most humans. Oh, wow. that's really, really just normal kind of milk that's toast. That's so fun. Oh, the most normal thing about me. Well, it's also interesting because it, it, it tells you part of this is in relation to the conversation that we've been having this entire time, which is like, what do you actually consider neutral? Like how, mm. when you, sure. it's a sort of big question because it's like, like when I was first thinking about it, I was like, I, I thought Chromatica was really exciting to listen to. I think that's a fairly normal thing, but it's also fairly normal among a very specific audience, a very specific group mm-hmm. of people. And then I was like, oh, maybe that's mm. not it. Right. Because it's like, it, I have a couple of different normals. I have the normal of what I consider what's normal around my peers. Mm-hmm. And then I have what I consider what's normal around my family. And then what I think is normal of the gen pop mm. of like yeah. mm-hmm. the general population of maybe the US. And then it's like, M- then what's maybe my mind's in, in a different place because I'm trying to think of what's the most, what's the most just average thing I can think of? What's the most, just the most bland gray thing I can think of? Because I could say like, I like music or I like to laugh, you know, but I think like, I think those maybe, are, those are actually uh, both great answers. I think to it. Yeah. But keep mm-hmm. going. No, I'm, 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 I'm interested. I think that what okay what about what about something that's just very super normal I mean the most normal like normal thing painfully normal would be I think like something like oh I think I like uh, I think uh, like a glass of milk is oh, all right you know <laughs> um, but, but like okay first like, off I norm- hate milk so I feel yeah. like <laughs> I think I think um, a sandwich is everything you need in a meal I think it's perfect lunch how's that 
That's a good. I I I, that's I think good. that's solid. I think that's a solid answer. Haley, what's what's the most normal thing you can think of? Most average I, thing. I think I think what it is, and I'm thinking in terms of like the larger U.S. population. I think what it is is I really enjoy uh, reality dating TV shows. Oh yeah. You know what's funny about this is one of my favorite. Uh, my my friend Natalie and I in when we first met we actually invented this game, which was. Have you ever seen an episode of Two and a Half Men? <laughs> Which sounds crazy, but the, I have, the yeah. reason that I we love this I game, haven't. we literally like were sit we sat on a like, bench on the streets of New York and just asked random people. We we're like, oh "Sir, you look like you've seen Two and a Half Men." <laughs> and, Do they get offended? Uh, no. What's interesting is that I most people haven't seen it. In New York. Right. And what's wild about this is that for nine seasons, Two and a Half Men was the most watched television show in the country. Exactly. I bet if you were to be sitting on a bench somewhere else, right. it would be a different story. But I, I do appreciate that question because it's kind of fascinating, even being a fan of like reality dating shows, mm. because it is such like a normal middle America thing. Mm. Those shows are framed in a way to appeal to those people. Right. You know, So when you watch them, you see that like you can feel it and see it in terms of how they talk about race or race representation if they even have black people on these dating shows like in terms of how often god is referenced in their relationships and stuff like that it's kind of fascinating well and it's funny because like that's that's like you know that's that's the whole that's why i find that question so interesting because it actually Mm. part part of the reason is that in in work with diversity it's actually really easy way to sort of shift to start the conversation, that's actually that you have a very limited perspective about what the world is. And a lot of the way that we mm-hmm. operate in it is that we have a sort of, we have a like a finger on the pulse of neutral. That is a thing that we generally think about ourselves. And you mm-hmm. sort of, the more you engage with that question, the more it's like, oh. And then it goes back right. to that space, which like what you do as an artist is like, you have to have an opinion and you have to like be conscious and make conscious choices and, you know, stand by and explore them. And that's mm-hmm. why I like art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm truly a nightmare. It's fine. <laughs> no, you are an absolute gem. It's been such a good time talking to you and getting yeah. to know you. I feel like thank you so much. You know, even over this short interaction, it's been really nice getting to know you. And um, yeah, I know you've known Zach a little longer, but it's weird. I feel I've like loved everything you had I, to say. I felt like I've known you like weirdly. Zach and I have like this, this, my relationship to Zach is like strange to me. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, we're like friends. He's like a really good friend of mine, but like, right. We met on, we like, we like friended. The face to face time is actually not, like not as big as our, our friendship. Right. Is. It's very strange. Right. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I feel like I, like, like, it's like weird. Cause like he started I, this and yeah. I was like, oh, I, I feel like I, I know this person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good to meet you. It's so good to talk to you. And I really appreciate yeah. everything you've said and. Um, yeah, it's been so great having you on as a guest. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I really, yeah. it's been I'm really so a delight talking to you. Heath, where can people find you on the internet? Well, basically, there's a couple of things that you need to know. One, all of my socials are Feel the Heath. If It's like Feel the Heat, but with an H. Uh, feel the Heath. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Instagram and Twitter and so on and so forth. And then actually, if you go to my website is thesaunderscollective.com which is I, I vaguely referenced my siblings and my my mom, but I like I, I write musicals with my mom and my siblings are my, my younger siblings are all actors and my older sibling is an extraordinary 
a teacher in Seattle who's like changing the game of like how diversity representation works with interacting with students. And so my, my family is pretty remarkable. So if you go to the Saunders Collective, you can find out a little bit about what we're doing and how we, you know, make things. Yeah, we didn't talk about this, but like all of your family is they're all musicians or, or teachers or they're all incredibly talented it's it's very cool and it's cool that you all work together too because i like yeah I, I i'm trying to think even if my brother and sister were like more on the creative side of things like i don't know if we'd necessarily be working together like that but thinking of like all five of you like you know and your mom too it's it's very cool that you all collaborate yes it's it's lovely on many settings and it's also nightmarish on many <laughs> we have a good time we're we're, we're but it's yeah. it's that's sort of like the way and then of course i'll have a single coming out this week because i recorded that today so exciting so it'll, when does that's that come out? i think it'll probably come out on like friday i i don't know okay. i don't really think too much about so these the day after this oh great tomorrow go yeah. listen mm-hmm. to my single <laughs> there you go couldn't have planned it better amazing <laughs> hey zach where can people find us online Hey, Haley. Uh, they can find us at uh, Not Together Podcast uh, on Instagram, uh, Not Together Cast on Twitter. On Facebook, we're just We're Not Together. Very easy to find. Uh, you can email us at nottogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your questions. We uh, It's been a while since we've done a listener advice, and we'd love to do another one. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're collecting them. We've got a couple more. We'll probably do one very soon. Uh, so, yeah, send us their, our, that our way. Or if you got more tongue twisters, because that apparently was hard for me to say just now. Uh, yeah, I, I could use a couple more warm-ups, so send that to us as well. Um, but thank you again so much to our guest, Heath. Uh, you're amazing. We loved, I loved everything you had to say, and thank you so much for coming on and spending this time with us. Sorry, went on a little long, and I appreciate you coming on. No, we really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to everyone listening. Um, I know everything's been insane lately, and we kind of dipped out for a little bit. I think it was partly for mental health partly for just there's just too much going on for us to talk about something trivial so thank you all for sticking with us i hope you enjoyed this episode um and yeah once again i'm Haley, and i'm zach and And we're we're not not together. together bye bye we're not together is produced hosted and edited by zach ogle and Haley manrique And our intro music and theme song is composed by Barry Anderson.